Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey BMTG. How's it going, bro? Wow, that was a heavy inhale, bro. It's going good though. No complaints for me, man. You know, uh, enjoying this lovely Tuesday after a fun versus live. So can't complain. That is awesome. Now, before we get into today's episode of the Bash Bros Podcast, which is an awesome fun episode. It's a mailbag episode. We asked a bunch of people online for their questions and they sent us a lot of doozies. I would like to mention that this podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. All right. We got that out of the way. We got it out of the way. Nailed it. Nailed it. Got it. That that is, that is a check off the list. You're getting better and better at that, bro. I know. Age has done me well. Well, you started pretty low to the floor, though. So, I mean, we're still, you know, just hovering above it. I mean, you, you you never want to impress people at the beginning. Exactly. I mean, then you can only go down from there. So nobody wants exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, like I said, today's episode is a mailbag episode. We asked uh, our audience uh, on Twitter and in our patron discord for questions. Got a bunch of them. But we still had one question to answer, which was who would be our special guest for the week? Oh, God. Luckily, who, who is it this week? Luckily, we begged a real special guest this episode, and it is none other than Mr. Brian Brundoon. BBD, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Hey, you know, it, it, great to be here. Things are going great. Um, I'm glad you guys didn't have to beg, borrow, and steal uh, your way to get me on this show. It was pretty easy going, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be here, and I'm honored to be a part of what is... Uh, one of the great American institutions at this point, I would say. BBD, yeah, there's the, <laughs> speaking of things going downhill, we are climbing. BBD, I gotta, I gotta I correct that, you about one thing though, BBD. Yeah, what's that? We did, we did have to beg for this podcast, but I just begged Brad to not have BBD this time. But unfortunately, my prayers were unanswered. Mm, okay, that's un- yeah. I, you know, it's understandable. I don't fault you for that. But uh, I'm gonna have to disagree, and also I hate you for the rest of your life. So. Hey, I love you too. Do, buddy. do you know why your prayers weren't answered, bro? Why? Because no thought went into it. Oh, oh. you know why else your prayers weren't answered, bro? Why? Because God doesn't exist. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. I you prepared know, for that hammer. I was pretty sure there was some kind of God joke coming there. That's for sure. Oh, I had to go as deep religious as I possibly could to piss off as many people as I possibly could at the very beginning of the episode. Honored and privileged to be the special guest. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, this episode, we've got a bunch of questions. And uh, we're going to start off with probably the most controversial one. Mm. I wanted this one to be at the top of the list just in case it took so long that we knew how much time we'd have for the other ones. Okay. Um, that's Seems you, smart. you know, that's that's a good setup. You know, make sure that the, the sticky situation. Some save the uh, best for last, but whatever, you know. Apple yeah, best orders. for last is not a great thing to do when it comes to, if, you know, if this, if this episode goes long, we're going to want to take less time on the question. We really... Have to get through all of this, so mm, okay. so uh, our, 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 and it's also our manager. It's our manager's question. Yeah, we got to so let gotta, them go yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, you got you got to you know please the 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 higher class. Um, anyway, Time Ghoul asks, Coke Zero or Diet Pepsi? Mm. That's it. That's the question. That is uh, that's the hard hitting one. It's Coke Zero that, for that, me. It's not close. Coke Zero for me as well, Brian. 
I'm going to go with a contrarian opinion here, and uh, I'm going to say that Diet Pepsi is a real banger. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with the DP. It's a banger. It's a Brad, banger. I, I told him not to. I told you not to get BBD on the cast this time. I mean, look at it. We're <laughs> one question in. He's already so wrong. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Seriously, though, that, that is that is an actual pretty big topic uh, for conversation around around these uh, this neck of the woods. Yeah. But I do want all of you out there to know that a lot of these questions are fire. They're, they're not all just like, you know, <laughs> there's real questions. You, they're not. Yeah. There's a lot of real questions. Like, all right. The next one I asked. All right. To speak <laughs> of these real questions. Okay. Would you rather eat a jar? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this, this is a, I think one of our most targeted magic questions and it's like our only one. So it is worth talking about because this is something that uh, that that I also explored a while back. But uh, HailMe786 on Twitter asks, aren't like Phoenix and Standard uh, not good anymore? What would it need to make a comeback? Someone bring it back, please. Uh, I can take this one because it's actually a short answer. Okay. So Finale of Promise was very big for the deck before. But there's no, there's no good sorceries left for the deck anymore. Like... Tormenting voice turning into whatever it is now as an instant was actually a net negative for this archetype. Mm. And yeah, that makes sense. And and now that the deck can't be a finale of promise deck, um, even if you did try to work that in and do stuff, Teferi. Teferi stops finale of promise. Yeah. So so Arc Light is just an extremely underpowered effect. Um, also, Arc Light is gonna do worse in a format that has all of these fucked up sets like like Throne of Eldraine's messed up. Um, Theros Beyond Death was very good. Like the, the last four sets have been so powerful that they pushed a card like Arc like out of every format, right? I mean, it's like you play, an, you know, you you go through all these hoops to get back to Arclight Phoenixes. Then you just look across the battlefield and your opponent's just attacking you with an Uro and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm dead. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's just, just so many over-the-top things going on in Standard right now. Like, Teamer Clover, you know, can do so many absurd things. I, I, I just don't think the power level is there at all anymore. I like it. It's like, all right, I cast all these spells. I got these two Arclight Phoenixes. And, and then your opponent's like, all right, I'll crush that and that and your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and try also, to do it again. Yeah, there's also just the fact that, like, yeah, you go through all this work to, for the payoff of a 3-2 flyer. And your opponent's like, all right, bounce with Brazen Borrower, XL with Elspeth Conqueror's deck and death, yeah. and now you're ne- like, you know, next turn you're not going to really be able to cast anything. Like, it, yeah, it's just the, the power of cheating into play a three-two flyer just <laughs> isn't really what it was. Yeah, yeah trying to attack said, in a Dream Trawler that feels nice. <laughs> yeah, when I said crush, I meant stomp. I got that name wrong. Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I can't even ask the next question though because it it offends me so deeply. Oh yeah. So could somebody else handle that for me? I got you, bro. All right, so we got Marauder is asking: Is Pioneer just better than Standard? Oh, I, Brad, I, I can see, I can see how this is upsetting you. Marauder, first of all, not cool, but since it's come out, I've given up on Standard. But did the same thing happen when Modern was the new Standard? Question mark. I guess we got a standard plus standard um, plus. Yeah. So first of all, Marauder, how dare you? <laughs> Secondly, I support you in all you do, Marauder. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you, you have agents um, on the inside. 
So I will say that Pioneer probably is going to feel healthier than standard more often than not compared to standard. Um, that said, I, I truly believe standards in the best place it's been for like the last six or nine months. And I, I'm actually enjoying nice. playing the format, which I did not think I would. Nice. And, and so I think standard is in a good place. Now for Pioneer, I think Pioneer will become a very good format once all the bannings and all the the rockiness of it slows down a little bit, which it kind of feels like they, they set that this week when their ban announcement had no Pioneer change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a I'm, lot of... There's a lot of fatalism in regards to Pioneer, much of which is driven by social media. I, I, I'm not convinced that Pioneer is as bad as everyone's making it out to be, but... Yeah, honestly, know? you know, I mean, Pioneer does have a lot of play to it. And if anything, even like Inverter Mirrors or whatever are still really fun to play and there's a lot to them. So I think Pioneer is okay. But you guys want to hear my crazy hot take about this question? What's that? I actually find that the the format that I'm having the most fun with is modern right now. Can you yeah, believe modern it? Actually, mo- yeah. I think all the formats are good right now. Like we went through a dark day in all of them, but the, the, the sun is coming out and I think all three formats, modern pioneer and standard are actually looking pretty great right now. Yeah. Modern is amazing. There's so many fun decks you can play. You know, I was playing some astrolabe Renan six control deck then i was playing a busted breach deck and none of them felt like they were just way over the top or anything like you know anything well it has to be one or the other it's either busted or 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 not over the top well you know what i mean nothing felt like it was way better than the other deck you know everything felt very busted so then it wasn't busted (laughs) that's what i said i said nothing was super busted Everything felt pretty close, you know? Mm. Okay. Well, well, you said a busted... Yeah, you did say that you were playing a busted deck, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say that I agree with you, Modern. There's so many different Arkham's Astrolabe decks you can play, and they're all fun. <laughs> <laughs> really I mean, is, also, yeah. I, I, love, I love Modern right now because you never flood because you can always fetch for a spell. Yeah. Yeah, that does add for an interesting game. For my drop and bomb this week, I did um, this like four color snow control list that played Tome Scour and Uro, that kind of interaction. And now half the time you just want to like save, save or wait, Thought Scour, I think it's called, right? The one mana. That is better than Tome Scour. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah, playing, yeah. I, was, I didn't understand the Tome Scour. <laughs> I get that wrong every time. But yeah, Thought Scour, you just like want to save it now just to manipulate the spells they want to draw, which feels like it shouldn't be used for that purpose. Let me ask you one yeah. question. Is anyone playing bogart foragers in modern right now (laughs) what does that card do it is a one one for one red mana and it has the ability pay a red and sacrifice it target player shuffles their library oh yeah it's a staple of modern yeah i know you've been out for a while but modern's changed dude (laughs) all right seems seems like a good oh the foragers are no longer playable wow i don't want (laughs) to i'm not interested in playing the format anymore yeah, okay. Not, All right. You never were. Right, we're, cha- we're changing to the next question. <laughs> okay. Let's Cuddly go. Ogre asks a two-part question. When you guys were first starting out, how did you meet and start practicing with other competitive Magic players? Second part, what are the chances of ever having a BBP testing team? All right, so my introduction into Magic is not like anyone else's, and it's more like a fairy tale. <laughs> I took ninth at my first pro tour 
I started like preparing for tournaments with Kibler, which turned into starting to. I I the, I, I got to stop you there because you honestly you did have a very important thing before you took ninth. Like you were basically the Jabberwocky of that day and age. Like you were just crushing every event. You know, if there was a leaderboard, you know, you were always on top of MTGO, and like people people held you at high regards on Moto. You just hadn't broken through yet, so it's not like you just like won a PTQ. And and just started and went though. Wait, know? there was a time when people held held Brad in high regard. <laughs> I must have missed this era. Wow, <laughs> that was before oh, before so, my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is true. Yeah, I played a lot of Magic Online and I got a reputation there. So once I broke through on the Pro Tour, um, I almost immediately started working with the the best of the best, and in fact was part of the original building of what was considered the first super team, which was team channel fireball, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, going into my fourth pro tour, I was already testing with, you know, LSV Apollo. Actually everyone on that original testing team, besides me and one other person is in the hall of fame. Yeah. Says a lot about me and that other person, but (laughs) (laughs) they are all in the hall of fame. And honestly, my, uh, uh, story of how I started in magic is also like a fairy tale. I just like, Brad was already really established. So when I started, even without having to have a good result, I was already on the best pro tour teams possible. So I was probably the luckiest out of all of us just because I kind of mooched off you, Brad, there right at the beginning. Oh, that, that yeah. But yeah, so we, <laughs> we, have, we have a way different story than like even like Brian's. Oh, yeah. Which was bleak and, and full of terror. Yeah, his was just pure luck. At yeah, this point, I'm pretty sure. The yeah. night the night was dark and full of terrors for, for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh, yeah, hear it, so, BBD. How did you start? Um, I started with a ragtag group of like-minded <laughs> individuals. <laughs> okay. Uh, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I know where you're going with this. <laughs> the streets of Bangkok? Uh, oh no! No. <laughs> no, I I actually just um when I first I started, actually don't know. Okay, when I first started playing competitively, actually it was when I was in college, and um I I actually just had I went to Virginia Tech, and there was just a group of people in Virginia Tech uh, that had like a magic club. And so I went to tournaments with people in the Magic Club. And we were all at this a roughly same level of commitment slash abilities where we were all competitive natured, but you know, we weren't like you know, making it, you know, if that makes sense. Like we would we could make we could spike some top eights of PTQs occasionally or whatever, but we weren't like winning tournaments or anything like that. But we were you know that that level of player, um, that was my group. We we traveled to tournaments all the time. Uh, mostly, I drove, and <laughs> I got pulled over a number of times uh, for having an expired registration. A problem that has plagued me my entire life. Damn these registrations! So, but yeah, and then for having a BBP testing team, I I don't think it's not really how testing teams work. Like you could brand them, but it's. The, the actual way that it works is you you get a group of people that you like working with and are friends with, and then you find a sponsor that wants to brand your team. So, like, while we could make a Bash Bros podcast testing team, like, it it wouldn't it it, it wouldn't be like I, I don't even know what it would look like. It's just like it's not how the marketing and how testing works out in Magic Magic. 
and marketing work really hand in hand. And, and so it's not really how it would play out. Like if, if, if there's ever a BBP testing team, it would probably be like a weird pyramid scheme and we're trying to make money. I mean, it would probably have to be revolved around the SCG tour, like the Lotus box team or BCW. I mean, that's like the only thing that would make sense, right? Is we just go out and play that tournaments and try to get a sponsor or something for a bash bros podcast team. You know, I feel like that's the only way it'd be possible. So, I mean, yeah, well, yes, but I would rather use my, the gen, our Genesis branding. Yeah. Same, same. That still feels nice. I think there could be a BBP team. So I, I think the most important thing with a team is is that everyone on the team likes each other, gets along with each other. I think that, you know, and, and, and sorry, three things. Likes each other, interacts well with each other, and has like-minded goals. Everyone on the t- If everyone on the team has similar aspirations and goals and, like, level of commitment and stuff, that's when it works really well together. Yeah. Problems arise when one person's spending 10 hours a day testing – and another person's not testing at all, there becomes resentment when that other person does well in a tournament with deck that 10 hours or day person put together through their hard work. You know, that kind of stuff breaks teams apart. So you really need a team where everyone's on a similar level. One thing I will say, though, is that um, the, the, like, having uh, a, a team of players off of, like, the BBP has some merit in that the kinds of people who enjoy our podcast, the the five of you, um, you guys <laughs> probably have similar viewpoints on things and you kind of appreciate similar types of content or similar humor or whatever it is. Um, so there's probably some amount of like compatibility there that would form itself well to a team. Uh, but it's kind of unlikely that there would ever be a team of like BBP Patreons and also us because we're not testing for the same events. We and we different... don't like each other. So, yeah, I mean, right there, <laughs> yeah. we're off the table right from the beginning. So. We have different motivation <laughs> levels and so forth. However, with that being said, I think it would be awesome if there was a BVP team that formed and, and you know, we, we were kind of like coaches for it or something like that. I think that would be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. Brad's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Deleting the Patreon, deleting the bat, <laughs> deleting the Discord. That sounds already- like a great idea. Closing out of Audacity. Uh- yeah, he's already deleted the question in our uh, in our folder. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go to the next question. Hey, what does it say under the special guest? Brian Brown doing wasn't working out. We'll have to reshoot the episode. I don't. <laughs> so what does well, that mean I- in the document? I don't. <laughs> I, I think he thought only I could see that. He didn't know you were also in this document. Oh, so. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We'll go to the next question here. Uh, we got this from uh, Femoral. It's compare 2019 MPL and 2020 so far. Is it better or worse? How is the mental grind of MPL this year compared to the slog of last year? Well, it's perfect. I was asking this because I have no idea. Yeah. What do you What do you think, boys? How does it feel? So this year feels better, but I think that's because last year was a big old lesson of expectations versus reality. Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, everything sounded awesome and great. And then, you know, we got backlash on social media and the OP announcements for the rest of the world took a very long time. And there's a lot of resentment from like our peers just wanting their stuff. And we also wanted them to know what the tournament series was going to be like. So it put a lot of stress on us because like, you know, we were at this awesome dinner table and we wanted our friends to join and we 
didn't get to know that information for a very long time. And then the tournaments, they meant so much. Like the first, I remember the first MPL's weekly split caring so much each week about like what decks we played. And by the last one, I, I remember like not even putting that much work into it. Um, yeah. And for the last tournament, I didn't even put that much work into it. I, I got grinded out. So this year I have like a better understanding of how I'm supposed to approach 2020. Um, but then again, like I've also only played two events and we have another one in a couple of weeks. I'm probably going to feel very stressed and grinded out when we have to play, you know, three events in four weeks, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you guys think? Do you think it helps that 2020 is a little bit easier when you guys haven't played any tournaments nor done like any challenge events so far? Seems like you guys have had a nice um, beginning of the year. Well, it's I mean, it's easier in terms of the the amount of stuff we have to do, but yeah. it, 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 it puts more uh, stress and pressure and uncertainty into everything because uh, so much more is riding on only a handful of events and yeah. those events do not involve MPL players. There's no part, part of the MPL that involves actual league play. Um, the term league is a little bit of a misnomer in magic pro league um, or sorry, magic pro lapse league. My bad. Course, yes. Um, yeah, I gotta give it the official, the honorific, but, uh, there, Branding, there's no branding's important. Brad's told me that. So. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Brian, can you please not say that? I don't want to get a fine. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I won't say you can edit that out, but all right. Thank you. Um, yeah, the, there's no, there's no actual league play in the MPL. So, you know, it's like, how well did I do in a tournament versus how well did somebody else do in a tournament? Like, that's a really stressful system because if you go 11 and 5 in a tournament, that's a good result, normally speaking. But it could either be an amazing result if everyone else scrubs out and all of a sudden you're 11 and 5 is like you top aided. Honestly, it seems like last year at the end of 2019, though, it was just so different. Like, you guys were playing... Uh, a, a serious event that mattered like every three weeks and now it just seems like a lot easier but it seems like you're really out of control of your own destiny like not being able to play against each other and kind of prove over like a couple weeks who's better and who deserves to stay in the MPL and stuff I think that's better although the MPL weekly things may have not been you know a thriving success or whatever yeah I think there was a fact like I think the MPL I think there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding cause and effect when it comes to Watsi decisions, um, where MPL weekly wasn't a success. And there's, and so the conclusion is like, Oh, no one cares about league play for the MPL. I don't know that that's true. I think nobody cares about specifically the format that they had league play. I um, just don't see why they just don't broadcast it. Like just something that's done behind the scenes. You know, I mean, if they want to broadcast it, sure, but it still seems like a very important thing. Like, is that weird to not broadcast that? Would that be terrible? What do you mean broadcast no. it? Like, like, instead of like, promoting it, they still just have some league play that we play behind closed doors? Like oh, yeah, same, of course. It, the same as the league play you played before. It's just don't broadcast it and waste the money, you know, producing it. Oh, it should still 100% happen even if it's not broadcast. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. I, you know, I yeah, like, I, I don't want to say that I'm correct and they're wrong because... I don't know everything that goes into it. They're the experts, not me. You know, it's their, it's their job and 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 uh, so forth. They have more information than I do. So I'm not I'm not out to like 
this isn't a hit piece on Watsy or anything. I, I think they make a lot of good decisions and bad decisions as any, as anyone does. But um, I, I do, that is something that I have brought up a lot of times to them that I, I think it's a huge oversight to not have league play in a league. And I think yeah. it, it erodes the competitive integrity of it. When if I play in a tournament and my opponent elects to concede to me, even if I don't ask them for it or anything like that, which I'm not supposed to ask them for a concession, but if they elect to concede to me, I can't say no to them. And that's a free win that I get. And then if, you know, like let's say three people conceded to me in a tournament and somebody else has to play those rounds and they lose. And because of that, I'm in the MPL again and they're not. Like there, there's just a lot of aspects of the system that just, they aren't really balanced in that way. And I don't like that. I, I really think yeah. that when you look at leagues, any other league really you play against each other yeah you play against each other there's competition against each other and um there's zero competition against each other here and and i i I i'm pretty i'm pretty against it and i'm i I guess i will say that i'm very strongly against it i've made that known i i think that's something that they'll probably change in the future i I do think they're sympathetic to the idea of of having more league play um but yeah i that that aspect of the 2020 mpl is a huge turn off for me i'll say because i mean then we're just going back to the platinum gold system right like if it's just people who do well in tournaments that (laughs) anyone can play in or any pro then you're just establishing that like otherwise you want it to be hard to get into the mpl and then you want it if you're very very good the people that are insane at it you you want them to be able to just stay in it for as long as they try you know to be like a role model or whatever just to prove that they're the best of the best not that they got the best side of variance during a pro season so so matt like so i, I just want to cut off that for a second okay magic just has variance yeah of so, course, of yeah course, so so variance is just part of the game and there are people in the mpl versus other people like there's no way that last year even though there's 32 and we cut down to 24 that like the top 24 played better than the bottom 12 also like, there is some it was, of that. It was 28 we cut down to 20 Sorry, yeah, we cut down to 20. We have four new people. So Mm -hmm. Yes, and so, you know, there's no way that all 20, top 20 of the MPL last year were better than the bottom 12. But they had opportunity. They had more opportunity to prove that they were the the better player and maybe more opportunity to to prove that. That's not true. Okay. There's not that many more opportunities. Um, Uh, I'm a firm believer to go with what Brad said. Like, you can't measure who's better or worse than each other based on a small sample of events. But I'm a firm believer that how well you do in events should affect whether you're qualifying for things or not. Even though even though there's variance in magic and how well you do in a small subset of events isn't a reflection of your skill, I still think if you're doing well over a season, you should make it back. If you're not doing well, you should be out no matter how good you've ever been in the past or how good your ceiling is. That's just the nature of competition. There's always good players who, for some reason or another, don't make it because of variance or because of something. That's just the nature of it. But yeah, yeah and fair. and 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 what what I want to just get get through two points from this. One is that it is just possible for me. I haven't played anyone yet. It's not probable, but it's possible for me to not play a single match against another person in the MPL and be in the MPL next season. Yeah. It's not probable, but it could happen. And but the other thing that I want to bring up, I think that the way it's the system's built that we only play against each other, or we only can technically our points are only valued against the MPL, but we compete in bigger events. 
um, and not just exclusively in the MPL. I'm scared of a big optics thing in August where the the 16th person that's in the MPL will have played more events to get points than somebody else that they are in the MPL and the other person didn't even get enough points to be or stay in rivals. I think that's very likely to be the case. I, I know. And it, I, I think it is too, but I think the optics of it are very bad and, and maybe not been considered. Like in August, you're going to be able to look at like, like I'm going to use you as an example, Brian, like Brian Brandoon sneaks into the MPL at 23 points. Yeah. And like somebody at 27 points got nothing. Right. The cutoff for rivals ended up being 28 points or 30 points. And while MPL players as a general whole pro- are going to accumulate more points than, you know, challengers at large. When you look at just the, 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 the pool of challengers is so large that some amount of them will end up with more points than MPL players just by sheer, the sheer numbers of it, the sheer math of it. So yeah, that, it's pretty likely that stuff like that will happen. There, there's a lot of flaws with the current system. Um, to, to go back to the actual question, though, uh, I, I found the mental grind of this year to be a lot better than last year. Um, my answer is pretty similar to Brad. Expectations versus reality. Uh, this year's expectations were a lot lower than last year's. Uh, again, I, I felt the same way last year. I went into it, and I was really excited about it for so many different reasons. One, it was... You know, the MPL was what I wanted Pro Magic to be for years and years and years. I wanted a pro league and um, and I wanted like when I thought of pay the pros, I thought of it as something like this, a pro league. Some amount of pros can make it their job. And that's and that's what it is. Um, I didn't ever suspect that I would be one of them, but I was OK with that. I was very fortunate to be one of them. But I was really excited about that aspect of things. I was excited about um, tournaments on arena because you can't cheat in them. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and I was excited about tournaments on arena because they're set up such that there's no like intentional draws, intentional concessions or any of that nonsense that plague. I thought that was a huge plague on the platinum gold system was people scooping to each other, all that other stuff. I, I hated it. I think it was like a, a net negative on the system. It was, it was a, it was a, that aspect of the system rewarded the people who were already involved in the system. It was a rich get richer kind of scenario. Wow. I didn't even really think about this, but like the last round before top eight, do you guys even see standings? They don't even post them, I guess. Right. Cause it doesn't matter. What? Like, like on the, on, on arena tournaments, like the, the last round before top eight, where normally in paper tournaments, they put standings up so you can see if you can draw in or whatever. Like I bet they just don't even put standings up. No, they they post standings, but you just play your match, like yeah. But I can, mean, yeah. You, well, well, what are you talking? What what arena? No arena tournament is running off Swiss. Yeah, they're they're not Swiss tournaments. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. They do post standings, but you, yeah, it's not a Swiss tournament. So yeah, okay. If, if okay. you're in the tournament, if you're in the tournament, you have something to play for. True. Maybe there, a rare there was, exception. There was, so there was an exception in, um, the arena tournaments where. Top sixteen was where the cutoff. Yeah, like was, there was yeah. some split. There was some split BS, like convoluted stuff. Where like, so let's say you won your split, you're guaranteed because the first, uh, MC three had, day two was only sixteen people, and you were guaranteed top sixteen points. They just said for the other two that if you win a split, even if you don't finish in the top sixteen, you'll get to six top sixteen points. 
So there could there could be like one one weird yeah. round where yeah, I mean that's a real playing for nothing, real yeah, nitty gritty stuff. But yeah, for the most part, everyone's playing a match for something. But yes, those are things that I liked about it. Now I feel like all everything that I liked about the move to the MPL has just been reverted in 2020, and now we're back to um, we're back to like the the stuff I didn't like. Um, you know, people people can get concession like players in the MPL are not allowed to concede to each other, but you can't stop people, our opponents from conceding to us. It's just not possible the way magic works. So, and it's already happened, and and it's already happened, and we're already seeing that kind of stuff. And I I hate it. I really do. And honestly, I've checked out because a lot of that's I I've checked out a lot of it. The reason I've checked out is because I haven't been enjoying magic, and I'm not really interested in playing competitive magic anymore. Um, I'm just going through like I I have no interest in playing competitive magic after the season. I might choose to stay in the MPL if I requalify just because it's a very cushy job. Um, but I have, I just have no desire to be a professional magic player anymore. And part of, and that's part of the reason why I'm checked out. But the other part of the reason is that some of these OP decisions have had an impact on my desire to play magic. If I'm not competing in a league against people. And if we go back to the things where collusion and all that other stuff is like a factor and like, you know, paper magic where people cheat all the time and all that kind of stuff, man, that really like douses my fire to play the game. I just, I don't, I, I have no love for that kind of, I, I don't, I hate having to play politics. I just want to play magic. So. True that. All right. <clears throat> well all right. said. Next, well said. Next question. That was a, that was a very good topic. Thanks, Femoral, for that. But we got to move on to Great Boomer. Pants or shorts when going to an event? This is a stupid fucking question. Obviously, it's shorts. Pants can suck. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm mean, glad. Short, yeah. I have a slightly. I know I'm not supposed to provide. I know you guys hate me for the descending opinion. Slight descending opinion here. It's both. You want to take material that should be Get used. Get out for of pants. your cargo pants thing. We don't want to hear it. Okay. You, you want to take material that should be used for pants, but, <laughs> yes, but then yes. cut them off until they're shorts. Good. So, so you get the cargo shorts. I'm thinking the jorts. <laughs> oh, the jorts, yeah. yeah. All right. No, I will, like, I will always see... Sorry to interrupt you, Brad, but I will always see BBD, and he never carries around a bag or anything because he's wearing cargo shorts where he puts, like... Still has a deck box, dice, bag. I still feel like there's a play mat in there somewhere. It's just so many pockets. BBD does not need a bag anymore. Oh, I've carried a, I've carried a play mat throughout a tournament in my cargo shorts before. Yeah. Two words, two words, form and fashion. Can't beat it. <laughs> Dude, so 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 my my attire, I have like a dozen of each of these. I have like a dozen black V-neck t-shirts. Yep. And a dozen pair of gym shorts. And you can ask Brian if I'm if I'm at home, I'm like 99% in those clothing. Right. I like my and, I like my gray jumpsuit apparatus that I've been dude, wearing. Yeah, like. you're yeah, you just have like a gray sweatshirt and a gray pair of uh sweatpants. But that's that's what I wear. But you're an inmate I, or something, baby D? Yes. I'm a prisoner. <laughs> what, what, I'm a prisoner in the basement. Please let me out. <laughs> so so when it, you know, when we go to these arena big tournaments, they want you know, it's a big spectacle. They're spending a lot of marketing money. I'm very closely tied to wizards and you know, and and that and and I want to I want them to have a good product, right? So I so you I, borrow the cargo show. Well, shorts. no, I, I'll wear <laughs> I'll wear black pants. You know, I'll wear pants. But this last time around, I was like, you know, what? I don't have any. I don't want to wear a dress shirt because I just don't. It's hot. Like it's really hot in that room. There's a lot of computers and a lot of lights. 
Yeah. So I don't want to wear too many layers. Oh, there's so a lot of computers, said, but no lights. I thought, I thought well, it was. Well, there's no lights except very bright, hot spotlights that just blind you. So either you can't see anything or mm. you can't see anything because there's a blinding light on you. It does look like the rotating lights. Like every time it would like go into my vision, I'd be like this mother trucker. You either can't, <laughs> yeah. you either can't see everything or you, or you see everything. So I got a question for you guys. A behind the scenes of the arena. Well, let uh, me finish. MC. Let me finish. Okay, okay. Let me finish real quick. So, so I, you know, this last time around though, I was like, you know what? I'll wear the pants, but I'm just going to wear this, these V-neck t-shirts with no sponsors. Now I look, I thought I looked very underdressed compared to everyone else with all their sponsored gear. Cause no one wants to sponsor me. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't got any sponsor. I don't got any Jersey. I don't got anything cool. And I thought they'd stop me like straight up. They're like, Brad, you cannot just wear a old, you could tell it's like, washed a little so it's not straight black anymore you know it's like losing a little of its coloring yeah and and, and i was like they'd stop me and not once i even like went all the way to the finals you know i'm (laughs) i'm i'm center stage with this black t-shirt thinking somebody's gonna stop me (laughs) and not one person did i was kind of shocked about that because i wore i ran out of good black tees i had my worst one on me for the final day brad i got an idea that you should uh wear for next time your Abraham what? Lincoln drumming shirt. Oh, I can't. I lost that, dude. Oh, I thought it was completely worn out by now. So oh, no, it was. It was super holy and stuff, and then it, I lost. So it. I Brad's, saw that. Br- I saw that Brad was getting away with wearing his outfit. So I decided I was going to test the limits. So I actually played the entire tournament butt naked, or should I say, buck naked? And I also thought somebody would stop me, and uh, the answer is that somebody did stop me. Well, yeah. Jean Emmanuel Dupra <laughs> when he beat me in the first round of the tournament, and then every subsequent opponent I played, they stopped yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, BBD, you are so white. Everybody thought you were just wearing a white on white combo, and it probably looked really nice, you know? <laughs> All right. What's your behind the scenes question? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, is there a certain computer that you sit at that is like way worse just because, like, the light, just the way the lights work that. You get like two of them rotating in front of your face constantly or something. I always see it on the footage, like just a light go across their face. And it just tilts me a little bit more every time I see it. So uh, there was probably better and worse seats, but we don't get that much control of where we sit. Yeah, you yeah. sit in the same seat every round. So we there's we have no oh, comparison. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, on, I thought on, you had a different on, seating computer on, or whatever. On day two, because there's so many people, they just had, you know, if you were paired like the, the pairings would say, like, you know, like, uh, Canister versus FF Freak. And then if you were on the left side of that pairing first, you would sit on X side. And you just had to, like, just know that. So you could sit anywhere on either side of the V or whatever you'd want to call it. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just depending on which side of the pairing you were on. But besides that, there was a little you could pick, but, like, no one's thinking about that unless you knew there was a, you know, a dummy seat. Okay. But I, I never found a dummy seat. I just found each one of them just equally annoying because sure. of lights. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's um, do the next question. All right. Max Torsion asks, if you could speak into a megaphone and every magic player in the world would hear and understand you, <laughs> what would you say? What would you use it to say? Oh, I got a good one. Does anyone have something? small or does anyone have a joke to get out of the way? Because I am going to, 
I, I I'm dropping a fucking hammer. Oh, you're dropping a bomb? I thought that was I thought that was Corey's. That's job. my job. Okay. Oh, okay. oh I, I, uh, I'm dropping TM, a TM, you owe me a dollar. I mean, I have a I have a something to say. I wouldn't say it was super short. Um, it's just you, all of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, he's not. All right, yeah, all right. I, I got a good answer for this one. Right, and this one, this it. might be a little controversial and might get us into some hot water. Okay. Okay, I'm in. I've already so, gotten this fine, so what could be worse? Yeah, all right. So I am, and Brian, and a lot of other MPL or whatever, have a very close tie to Wizards of the Coast. They tie um, you to the building? No, just... Bro, Brad, you said I couldn't. You said to get a joke in. I just didn't have one right away, so that was my one joke. So That's your one joke. That All was right, my right. one. Thank you. So, so for the last year, ever since the MPL started, I have uh, had a closer relationship with Wizards, and so has everyone else in the Magic Pro League. Consequently, consequently, what's the word? Consequently, you got it. Consequently. consequently. All right. Uh, the internet has also seen this connection and started calling me a shill. Because I am just going to do whatever Wizard says. And while there is some truth to that, I am biased in my self-interest, which are, you know, I want I want things to be good and fair, and I stand up to those things, but a lot of some of that is behind closed doors. I get to have meetings with wizards now. You know, I get to have one-on-ones with people it, that that work there. And I also want things to be fair and good for everyone. But that is true. Like I I, there will be some biasness because, like, I don't want to ruin the relationships I have for my future. And you want to make a uh, good life for you and your family. I mean, that's just yes, a exactly. I just want to say that I, 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 just sorry to interrupt you, but it's really kind of fucked up. You're having meetings with wizards, and I'm stuck with like warlocks and necromancers <laughs> and like <laughs> cast out bards and shit. Like, my meetings are way worse than yours. No, no. So, the second part of that, I just want to explain I am totally fine. With people wanting to call me a shill. That's fine. I get it. And I am slightly biased. I do believe that I try very hard to, when I work towards things, for the best interest of the game and for for, for everyone involved with it. Um, but there's a lot of times that I'll see on internet, uh, on internet, on the internet. <laughs> I will see the um, internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I see on internet that there are also takes that are very anti-wizards. And whenever a somebody that works closely with wizards fights with one of these anti-wizards people, they get oh the, the the person closely tied to wizards gets obliterated by the comments because they are the shill. And they are they they have bad reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. It's very selfish reasons. Yeah, they're when they're they're so-called operating in bad faith because they have a personal vestment. Yes, yeah. or but, they're just jealous, you know. I mean, that's so thing. what I would like to use this megaphone for is to explain to everyone that the people that also have anti takes on wizards all the time also have those same vested interests the opposite way. They are profiting off of this type of content. They are getting more clicks. They are getting more people to follow them. They are getting more people to listen to them. That it's the same thing. And now I'm not faulting them for their opinions. Nor am I saying that mine are better. I am just saying that I wish I could explain to everyone in the world that there isn't this imbalance of biasm. They're, they, they are on both sides of it. That person wants to stay that way and say those things 
and find every little problem that Wizards has because that also helps their bottom line. Right. And I think a lot of those yeah. people, they I don't even know if those people are conscious of the fact that they're doing it, but when you have a financial incentive to do something and when and sometimes not even a financial incentive, just like you say something and then you get a ton of likes and retweets and it feels good. I mean, it, it just does feel good to get people supporting what you're saying. That's just a, a human, common human nature. Um, that like subconsciously drives people to want to keep, you know, it reinforces that behavior. So people who post things that are like um, negative towards wizards or all that other stuff, a lot of times they get positive feedback from doing that. And, and whether they realize it or not, it drives them to keep doing that. And and I and and there, and some people are are directly profiting off it. They have even more reason to do that. They're going out of their way to find things to complain about. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and yeah. and and so you know, if there was ever, uh, the, the, I, I never think that like discourse is really going to work on either side because like, like there there like we, I don't know how to explain this. Like while we could like try to find middle ground, well, I always feel like there's going to be one foot you know, pin down. It's One really hard to find step back kind of thing. It's really f- hard to find discourse, middle ground and nuance on, on a social media platform that rewards hot takes dunking on people in outrage. Twitter, Twitter yeah. has it the way that Twitter functions. I, I'm using Twitter as the main example here, but it works for a lot of the social media sites. Yeah. Um, like Reddit's very similar as well. Facebook sort of similar um, as well, but if you say something like loud and dunk on somebody, you get a lot of support. Like people like and retweet your comments. Whereas if you have a very calm conversation with somebody that takes a long time for people to express their points and clarify points and takes a long time. Yeah. People just, you you know, people, people stop following along and it's not as flashy. Um, the, the, The platform literally rewards people for not having nuanced discussions. It rewards people for getting outraged about things um and 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 making hot takes and making um Click and there's comments that's basically what there's it also is. no punishment for being wrong about things on social media to yeah, some extent nope. like if you if you say there's no punishment for posting things that are factually inaccurate i should say because if you yeah. say something and it later turns out that you're wrong everyone has already moved on the attention span is so low that you never got punished like people you never got punished for saying something that was proven wrong. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that it's just really a but bad. If you say something kind of directed stuff. at somebody in like an angry fashion or whatever, you'll uh, you'll you'll run into some problems well, there. If you if you do if you do something bad, yeah. there's a huge that there's a lot of punishment for that. Sometimes too much punishment that's that's not proportional to the crime committed. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like if you say something like against you know if you say something that matches most people's popular opinion it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong because no one really cares so yeah Yeah. and honestly i i love that point brad because it it was really toxic to watch and it was just like for no reason you know people kind of get on people from the mpl and stuff one reason or one thing that i see well I, i i don't even think it's anything to do with mpl i think that's fine that they call out biasm i i'm totally fine with that and I struggle and try to try to make sure that I'm not. I, I give myself, you know, quality checks, um, and 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 accept the fact that if I'm going to say something and know that I'm biased, I'm going to say it with a way that explains that. I'm not going to try to say like I'm by the people for the people or whatever. 
well, I know that I'm, you know, right now I'm not like taking stances or anything because I've kind of checked out like Brian. I'm, I'm in it for the paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to eventually not be that, but right now I'm kind of taking a break from trying to make everything my burden because like, like Jerry Thompson left the MPL because of self-care issues with like stressing out about the stuff. That's what he said he did. And I f- have felt that in the past. Yeah. Um. And so I don't, <clears throat> you know, but so I'm not, I'm not going out there and trying to say that I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm working with, you know, with wizards on projects and I'm doing these cool things and I'm not getting in the middle of things um, because I don't feel like I should, but it's, it's not about people attacking for certain stances. It's that there, it, it is a two way street. And I, I, that's what I want people to have, you know, that's what I want to blow out of the megaphone. Um, I have one thing I'd like to say in the megaphone. It, it, it's, it, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe of a similar theme, but it's not the same point. Uh, but I just, if I had a megaphone, the one thing I want to say to magic players, and I think this more applies to, this doesn't really apply to kitchen table magic players. It more applies to like people who are connected to the community. I should say community magic players. Um, the one thing I want to say is that um, magic is a magic is a game for more than just you. I think a lot of people look at magic in a very selfish way. Um, the game exists for players that aren't just you. Different people enjoy different aspects of the game. Um, and so I see people all the time who are only ever arguing for changes that benefit their own self-interest within magic without regard for how other people enjoy or want to play the game. I think that is is very selfish. And I think that um, if you are somebody who cares about the magic community being a better place, which some people don't with, and that's the, and that, you know, that's their choice to make. But if you're somebody who thinks that you care about how the magic community should be, um, I think it's worth taking some time to do some self-evaluation and consider your impact on the magic community. Because I think that people who are really selfish about changes that benefit players like them at the expense of other magic players are, that's a net negative on the magic community. I think people who are selfish in how they play the game in terms of like, complaining every time they lose and making the experience experience bad for their opponents um, to, to fit, like to boost their own ego. Cause they can't handle losing. Like that's a very selfish thing that is making the magic experience worse for other players. And also I honestly think if you're just somebody who complains all the time on social media or complains all the time about things or who's super negative about every aspect of magic, I think you are a huge net drain on the magic community and I, I, I honestly think that the magic community would be better if if you were not part of it. And I'm not saying that Damn. I know that's really harsh. And I'm not saying that because I'm not saying that like I want these people to leave the magic community far from it. I just want people to be cognizant of the role that they play in the magic community. And if you care about making the community a better place, I think you should actively make strides towards um, changing your own behavior to be that kind of person. Um, I see a lot of people on social media who constantly claim that they wish the magic community was more welcome and opening, but then their actions do not support that. Um, they they don't make the community more welcoming and opening and and, and open by the way that they act. Um, I, I just see a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, I think there are people who genuinely care about making the magic community better and maybe don't realize that their actions are actually, I think, harming the community. And I just I think that's something that people should 
Um, be cognizant of, and I, I'm not even saying that I'm right about some of these things. That, that's my opinion on it. But I think that people should still do a self-evaluation and maybe consider ways in which they're making things worse, even though they might not realize it. So, All right. So 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 I'm going to TLDR uh, Max Torsion's question. Too long didn't listen. Oh, TLDL. Oh, sorry. TLDL. TLDL. See, all I picture at the end of that is a megaphone just went off at like 2.30 p.m. and a bunch of Magic players at at their office. And like for like 35 minutes, they're like, I'm at work, Brad and BBD. Please stop yelling at a megaphone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So TLDL for this one, I think we can boil both Brian and I's megaphone talk down to delete Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you guys could have shortened that up so, yeah. so very much. Jesus. Uh, my TLDL is delete your account, please. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not delete your Twitter. Delete Twitter. Yeah, you guys we get so much get more Twitter involved. Deleted. You guys are so much more involved in that. You know, I would have said like, you know, hey, let Corey B win if you play against him. That's what I would have yelled through a mega. <laughs> oh, so you want the kind of collusion that I believe is harming the MPL? Get the f- out of here. <laughs> well, so, so there's different... There's different sides to that, bro. Like, real quick, I don't want to go into it too much. Like, we, even in the biases of just all of this, like, there are just aspects of the magic community or media or wherever, whatever you want to encompass with that, that Brian and I might be more vested, invested into than you are. Of course. Because of, like, what we're doing. Like, for example, I, I I have no clue what the SCG Live Twitch is like. Not a clue, right? Like, I used to be a part of it for six years. I knew it. Like the back of my hand. Now I yeah. have no clue. Yeah. Um, and and so there there are there are people I follow and things that I keep up with because it it's not that it's going to like change my bottom line or affect me for that day, but it's things that I just should be cognizant of moving forward with my decision making process. Yeah. And one thing I will say, now that you brought up the SCG grind and stuff, maybe that's something that I'm looking at through a rose-colored lens because of playing on the SCG tour for the last, you know, six months or whatever. I feel like a lot of the energy at SCG opens and stuff like that is so much more friendly and so much more people aren't trying to be all complaining and stuff after their match. Like, I don't get that much. Maybe it's because, you know, they're playing against me or maybe it's, Something different, but I don't get that vibe as much no, as I did at like no, GPs it's, it's, and Pro Tours. And no, stuff. the S, the actually SCG community, uh, when you're there in it, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I, uh, honestly, just the Magic community in general, I think has been has been a lot better at this as of late. I think I think yeah. people yeah. have. Well, one, I think the average age of the Magic players is going is getting older, and so that that's part of it too. People have had time to mellow out a little bit, but. No, I, I agree. I think that um, things have, have gotten better in that regard. Than they used to I, be. I just want to bring up one thing that I remember that made me feel so happy for the SCG community. Uh, it was on the Game Awards that night where they were going to announce Magic and, or, you know, like eSports plug. And they announced it and the whole internet went, I didn't even get, get why, but they just went fucking ballistic and aggressive and angry and like, what the hell? Why did I wait this long to see this, all this? And it was like, there's so much negativity. And then I just saw an SCG grinder with a picture of pancakes. And they just like tweet is like, these pancakes in Roanoke are the bomb. Because <laughs> they were going to like an invitational. Like my entire thread was people just like losing their mind about the game awards in a negative way. Yeah. And like the SCG like grinders that were ready for the invitation were just like, 
yeah, this shit is great. I love it. <laughs> in Roanoke, ready to have the time of my life. Throw those hands up in the air like you care about your tournament finish. <laughs> my hands are both down. Okay, well, all right. Let, let, let's jump to let's jump to the next. question. Yeah, that was about all a right. long question, but let's go. Yeah, we, we got a lot more to get through. We'll probably have to speed. We up. Do. We got to speed up our responses a bit. Okay, all right, so yeah, let's let's speed them up. All right, all right. Now, let's, okay. Alex Hernaldi, our data analyst, asks if you guys had to design. <laughs> let's speed it let's up, boys. Let's skip this one. Right. If you that. guys had to design a magic set, what would you like to see in it? A new plane, a new card design, new mechanics, or maybe old mechanics that you guys would like to see come back. Now, I have a really funny plane or story building thing, and it'll be fast. But do you have anything, uh, Brian or Corey? Well, we've already done this. Me and Brian have already started the <laughs> new hop? plane of Koth. Yeah. <laughs> or Hop, right? Yeah. 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 A lot of like ice thawing, suspend <laughs> combos, a lot of, a lot shit of yetis. We pulled out of. We pulled a lot of shit out of our anus in this debate. Whoa. So uh, a lot of oh. a lot of humans coming out of tauntauns, is that what they're called? Uh, I don't no. know. I've never seen Star okay. Wars, so, so I was for, uh, for full context, uh Corey and I were on a debate show uh <laughs> in January. It was the Bash Bros podcast versus the Masters of Modern podcast. And yeah. it was a Star Wars themed debate show. And one of Which the Which I've quest- never watched Star Wars, just so everybody knows, not a single time. One of the questions was about if you had to design a magic set based around a Star Wars world, what would you do? And and we ours our answer was Hoth. That's why we're making these jokes. But yeah, um, I, I have an actual answer. It's very quick. Um, all right. So if I had to go back to an old plane, Lorwyn. If I had to design a new plane, I would love to see a plane uh, where it is uh, like demons versus like. An assortment of heroes, uh, not not like the Gatewatch type stuff, but like knights and wizards and elves and all kinds of like that kind of like tribal stuff uh, teaming up against against a bunch of demons. I think that would be cool. Um, that's, that's really interesting, because if I got to design a new plane, it would be one that when it lands, it actually has a gate to go to. Oh, <laughs> and it spreads a virus to everyone in the United States. Um, yeah. And then I Brad Pitt that shit and throw a bomb on the side and jump out with my parachute. Wow. I'm glad we're doing our best World to War make Z this reference. one uh, okay. a little bit shorter. And then old, old, I don't have any new mechanics or a new car design. That's too much to ask. Old mechanics that I want to see come back. Suspend. I love the suspend mechanic. I think that would be really cool to see suspend on some cards. That would be so would Teferi. So would Teferi. All right. All right. So my real quick one is if I got to design a new plane, I don't know how it would work, but I would want it to be about like the forest just starting to attack and overgrow everything. Like, you know, just the forests are starting to just grow. Okay. It's a Nissa plane. <laughs> it, it, it is a Nissa plane. Um, but it's not, it's actually not themed about Nissa. Pretty much what I want is a role reversal of. Green is effectively the black color of taking over dominance and stuff. And it starts like infecting other stuff. So like there will be like zombies that are green because they're like, like just think of like a skeleton, like a drudge skeleton, but there's literal vines and everything. That is what is animating the skeleton. That could make formats so messed up. If you're just getting card draw in blue or in green or something. Well, well, when I thought about this, I thought about it as a, as a three sets, you know, to make a block. Yeah. And like, as the sets go on, 
Um, there are more green cards that act like other colored cards, but n without super breaking the color pie, because green actually can do anything. Yeah, I was like, um, haven't you read Oko before? Yeah, it does yeah. the same thing. So you want, you want green to be the best color and all the other colors are ganging up to beat no. it? So you want it no, to be no, no, Throne no. of Eldraine, War of the Spark, M20. No, 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 no. Well, Brad, you're all hired at Wizards. You're hired. Yeah. All the other colors start working together, but they actually go multicolored. So it's like green is the only color that doesn't get multicolor applications. And so like standard has multiple different, like, like, a like I, I have no idea how you balance this. Cause that we're not, we don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. You're hired, uh, but you're it's hired. like a mono green deck and then multiple different multicolor decks are in this format and they actually can compete. So, against so the best deck is just going to be whatever green deck facilitates the multicolored cars. Got it. Boom. <laughs> Shut up. Ruin. Shut up. All right, you really Brad. revolutionized the wheel there, bro. Brad, All right, Brad. next question. DJ Hoffman. <laughs> DJ Hoffman. DJ Hoffman asks, when was the time in your life where your relationship with Magic was at its best? Mm. Not sending this one to BBD. Corey, what do you got? <laughs> when my relationship with Magic was the best? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for me. It started with me and Brad top eighting two TPs. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not this moment. It's actually Brad sure. and me. <laughs> wow. So it was when Brad and me uh, top eighted back to back GPs and then I went on to top, to, no, top eight Brad the next two. Well, are you going to ask me a question and, and then just interrupt it? I know what it's like <laughs> to be you now, I guess. <laughs> but mine was definitely the four GP top eights in a row where we got to do it together for two. And then kind of the highlight, I think, was GP Denver where us three were dominating with the same deck. I'm going to still say one, two, three, even though technically I did take fourth. But That's still my favorite day in Magic, even though like this last Mythic, the three of us that played the same Civic deck all top aided and we yeah. made way more money. Still yeah. the day, the, my favorite day was was the three of us and GP. That, that was just... That was just so sick. Honestly, it was one of the most special uh, days for me as well. Outside of the one specific turn of magic where I actually hated you and wanted to punch you in the face, Brad. Dude, but you, had a good, that, you had a good sideboard guide for the tournament, but you have to evolve it. I know, I know. It's, you even second-guessed yourself. Like, that's a lesson on you, man. You second-guessed yourself. Oh, no. I had four drops and a and a accelerant. I had to play it. Otherwise, I no, wait no, till no, next no, 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 no. But yeah. you even thought during sideboarding that I might do it. Oh, yeah. I definitely did feel it. I'm just, I'm glad the judge didn't look over at the particular time when I looked you right in the eye and I just, like, melt out, fuck you. So, what, <laughs> what happened is I gave Corey a cyborg guide that I did not use in our match against each other yeah. and in fact went against it and blew him out with it. Yeah, he brought in a magma spray where we were specifically taking that out. So I just went like turn two, servant of the conduit. And then I just looked up at him like right before I cast it. I just like, I gave him a look. I'm like, don't you dare. And then he magma sprays and I just gave him the dirtiest look I think I've ever <laughs> given my brother in my entire life. <laughs> so, the, All right, so the so time where my relationship with magic was at its best. <laughs> so it, it, it starts with, one thing, don't know why. Doesn't even matter how hard you try. <laughs> All right, never mind. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm whoa, sorry. whoa, right, don't I, leave I, me on the edge of my seat, BBD. Let, I got a good more. question for maybe <laughs> when his relationship was best at Magic. Yep. I'll, 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 I'll uh, jog his memory here with Jake the Jackal's question of what's the worst deck you've won a tournament with? Brian, can you think of any bad decks that you have won tournaments with? Um, I know that you're thinking of a specific bad deck, but oh, I've got one. So uh, it was <laughs> it was game day at the SCG local store, and uh, there was a Chandra play mat on the line, 
in the spirit of the Chandra playmat, I played a mono red deck with Chandra. Um, in the spirit of being a competitive a hole, I'm uh, just kidding. Brad, uh, Brad played uh, the best deck in the format. We met in the finals, and I beat the shit out of him, and I won that playmat. It was, <laughs> but but you didn't just beat me. You like embarrassed me with just. Uh, like multiple turns in a row, you I almost had you dead, and then you found a way out of it. Oh, yeah, I, I stole and, my, Brad at a tree of redemption. I was at one life, stole his tree, went to 13, gave him back a zero one tree of redemption with zealous conscripts. Then I hard cast Bonfire of the Damned X equals four to kill a bunch of his creatures, uh, for nine mana, <laughs> nine mana, crawled yeah. my way back in the game to win to win the Chandra play mat. That was. A true good versus evil story there. Mono red, like big red, not even just mono red, like mid-range red taking the tournament down. So so uh, the worst deck I ever won a tournament with was Brian Brondouin's Teamer Energy deck. Yep, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but this actually has a good story. So there was a Grand Prix a long, long time ago that uh, I didn't have time to test, so I just played. I, this has happened a few times in my career. Where Brian is is grinding, and I don't have time to test. This time I was either visiting family or moving or something, and I just took his version of Obzon Agro, and it was kind of a, a a unique build. And well, his tournament was miserable because he took an early draw and then just ended up playing against a bunch of other mid rangey decks that were really bad matchups. Um, and you you know you had a very middling you know seventieth place finish or something. Yeah. Um. I ended up losing in the top four where I will be honest with you. I, I punted my match. I could have won it. Um, but the entire day to end drive home, I was talking about how bad this deck was built and not just ironically. How bad the deck was. Yeah. Not ironically, objectively, like there was mistakes and this deck wasn't built. Well, I wasn't saying it in any like take offense way, but after the weekend Brian had, and also I've been like kind of on a tear, like I was being a, an a-hole. And, and I shouldn't have been. So, like, that happened. Now, we talked about it, and I apologize, and we laughed about it, right? So now this is part of our joke regiment. And when we got to GP Denver, the same thing happened. Brian worked on Teamer Energy. I was back visiting family between the two Grand Prix, Corey, I back-to-back top eight. And so I didn't really get to test much. Um, all I did was bring all the standard cards I owned. Sick on the brags. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I, no, just so people knew what where this was, you know, um, we brought it up earlier. So, so anyway, we get there in Denver, we get to the hotel, and Brian and I are arguing about like a Chandra should be in the main or the sideboard or whatever. I don't remember it. It had to do with Chandra and if we should play the extra one in the main or the sideboard. And I went one way, he went the other way, and I and and I was like, you know, we we're about to go to barbecue, and I'm like, you know what, screw it, I don't want to have this argument i'll just play whatever version of the deck you want to play and then do better no than you in this tournament way well, no listen, way this happened you can ask brian i'll do i'll just play whatever version you want i'll do better than you and then complain about how bad the deck was <laughs> i just said that to him in the hotel right well it wasn't I in the hotel to, but it was the day before the tournament yeah or the i thought it was in the hotel before we went to the barbecue uh, i think it was at the barbecue but Okay, it could have been at the, the barbecue, but... The reason I'm saying no way is you couldn't just let the argument die when we argued about two Scarab Gods and two Glorybringer in the deck. You just well, you're, that was just then. That was just objectively wrong and bad, Corey. And I'm oh not going to let that one go. God, wow. We, we could have saved... 
We could have saved so many debates, including this one, if you just would have said, you know what, Corey, I agree with you. And we you just would have been over. You were on a team at a team Grand Prix. <laughs> and this was like one card main and sideboard. We were going to play the same 75. It was just where two cards went. But, right. but anyway, so I did say that. I said, fine, I'll just play your list. And when I do better than you, I'll complain about how bad the deck was. And I beat Brian in the finals of the Grand Prix. And after the match, I just look at him and be like, your deck was shit. <laughs> and then I went to take a trophy picture. <laughs> you, Love it. Love I, it. Oh, yeah. Your draws were so disgusting in that finals, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, he oh, yeah, he 2 owed oh, both of us, BBD. It was not cool. Yeah. there's. Uh, I, I literally had no the first time. I, I literally had no chance of winning either of those games. It just it wasn't even like close magic. Anyway. Same. No, next one. Yeah. So, so. I, I just have to, in the spirit of this, Spoon Tug did ask. That's our. That's Brian's hairstyles. What's the worst deck you played at a tournament that you thought was great at the time? I just want to. Is there anyone? I this is a tough one to think about. Um, I, I actually have a great oh. answer for this question. All right, mine is is Sultai at GP. I want to say it was Providence. Um, we played a. Sul- oh yeah, we, that deck was bad. We played a Sultai mid range deck because we were under the impression that it beat green white tokens, which was the best and most played deck at the time. Mm-hmm. It did not beat green white tokens. Not only did it not beat green white tokens, it, it was embarrassingly bad against green white tokens. And it was like if the game got to turn five and both players had resources, it was almost deterministically impossible to beat them. Yep. It was almost inter- <laughs> like, deterministically impossible to win if they ever drew the card. Uh, that what was that enchantment evolutionary leap. If they ever drew yeah. the card evolutionary oh, leap. God. You could not win the game. It would get, you could just concede right then and there. And they played a bunch of the uh, evolutionary leaps. So it, that happened often. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was probably the worst deck that I played at a tournament that I thought was going to be really good because the deck seemed great when we were testing it, but... God, for me, would I would have to flash back to Pro Tour, Pro Tour San Diego where I just got convinced by a local from uh, uh, me and Brad's hometown that Jeskai Control was just way better than Boss Nea Zoo. <laughs> and I proceeded to go 0-4 in this Pro Tour and like LSV 16-0'd with Boss Nea. And like the deck ended up just being busted. That was probably the the moment that stuck with me the most. That hurt. Yeah, that that, that one was. That was kind of... All, right, All right. The next so question on. is: How do you pronounce? Hey, this is a question from Brian Brown Doing. <laughs> it's a question from one of our avid listeners, Brian Brown Doing. The question is: How do you pronounce the red, green, and white shard, shard from Alara block? Um, I'm going to take this one. I would like to go with Naya. Uh, uh, nay, I'm gonna nay say. Okay, all right. I'm just daggering, Corey. I I don't I even know. know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but I think Corey left. Is he still there, Corey? You still there? I don't think so. Oh no, I'm sorry. I've exited. Corey. I've okay. exited. <laughs> <laughs> I was unamused. I wanted you, you, to you didn't stew in that stew in that unamusement. You didn't find right, you didn't so... find it enjoyable. Okay. No, I didn't. So, 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 just so everyone's clear, we've got four more questions left. All right, let's let's do these less than a minute per question. Let's do it. Really? Yes, we're, we've we've been going on long enough. Yeah, uh, we're or we like make this or we make this a part in. two episode and and get more questions for next week. No. No, 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 no. All right, so so Bob Wong asks: Assuming Watsy continues to power creep new cards, how should we think about healthy formats versus unhealthy formats? Is it possible to have good formats with Power creep that that this still take more than a half a minute, but 
I, I just want to say that while power creep is a thing that can help, that can help or hurt, it does come down to certain cards that get printed, and there have been a lot of mistakes in 2019. Mm. Um, and there's been a lot of people that have, you know, like lessons learned, hopefully, at Wizards about that kind of stuff. But um, I think the biggest devastation to constructed magic is not just the cards, but the London Mulligan. I think that we did not understand it as well as we needed to before we rolled it out. I think that the London Mulligan actually hurts constructed badly. Mm, interesting. And and that it it doesn't punish you to go for spike equity. Now, the best example I have is like cards like, you know, for, like legendaries like Nissa and Embercleave and stuff like that that you don't get punished when you mulligan and play four of them anymore where, you know, often you would get you'd get punished way more often when you'd mulligan to six and you'd have two of them in your hand. Yeah. Now you look at seven, you get rid of whatever extra redundancy piece that you have and you still curve. It also um, rewards snowball magic. Snowball magic is not very fun magic. It's where one player jumps out ahead early and then they retain that advantage the entire game and the other player just doesn't have a chance to ever catch back up because yeah. they're just on the draw and they don't have the tools necessary to catch up. And they're just able to curve out easier. And the London Mulligan facilitates snowball magic to such a degree that it becomes actually... In the past, a lot of snowball decks were not viable choices for tournaments because they were incredibly inconsistent. The London Mulligan removes much of the inconsistency, and when you're snowballing, the value of your cards goes up so much more because your opponent's like required to answer each thing at each point in time that often it doesn't matter that you have access to all your resources. You just need to have the ones that curve you out on the first few turns of the game, and that's enough to win. So I, I think the London Mulligan... Um, promotes unfun magic in that regard because it really rewards snowball games of magic which then promotes people to play snowball decks which don't require seven card opening hands so they can mulligan more aggressively to the cards they need for their snowball deck and then uh it it puts so much pressure on formats to have very fast answers to early threats uh so that players actually have a chance to play magic and a lot of recent magic formats have also been designed such that threats are so much better than answers I don't know the whole thing. It's all it's all to get it's all intertwined, but I do think the London Mulligan's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to move on to the second half. Oh, I question d- if you got something. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess I can segue into that because that's the main thing I wanted to bring up. Is it possible to have a good format with power creep? And I think like the best example right now is how modern is looking. Right now, it looks super healthy, and the only thing they had to do about these insanely powerful cards that were printed recently is just ban them all and now the format is great so <laughs> all they had to do is just ban 75 magic yeah. cards and then everything is wonderful and then oh. power creep doesn't matter so i mean yeah it's definitely possible <laughs> so so th- there 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 is a truth to is it possible to have good formats without power creep or with power creep is it possible to have good formats with power creep all right i was reading that wrong um I, I believe that the answer is yes, but I think that 2019 hit was so off the mark that it just made things chaotic. Like, I don't want Modern to not get new cards put into Modern each year. I want some amount. And and this now that Pioneer's a thing, I want that too. Because I actually like liked playing Legacy Modern, but not when the format stayed effectively the same for like a year. 
And and I would like some shakeups and some things to move and groove or not just have the same five decks rotating around. Um, so I do want some shakeup, but like last year was unacceptable. We played in a modern super league where three of our, all three of our uh, initial like regular season matches had wildly different formats. One was before <laughs> Hogak came out. One was after Hogak came out, and one was after Hogak got banned. This was and we like won a, them all. And we yeah, won but this them was all. Like a six or seven weeks period, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and I wasn't playing any modern during that, so or like a little. We did test for one event, but like, how'd you like, do at that event? Shut up. <laughs> how'd you do at the last players tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're even now, I guess. But yeah, so I do think that it's possible, but I do understand that with power creep that it adds some unexpectedsy. Um, but, but yes, it is possible. I want to add a well, quick... we did really bad about the one minute thing, boys. Yeah, we I want to add a, just a quick answer to this real fast. Um, I think power creep is an inevitability of magic. If they weren't printing cards that were pushing the power level, um, magic would be really boring. Nobody, and nobody would really like it because <laughs> nothing would ever top the old cards if they're all, if they're never printing things that are powerful. Um, yeah. so power, power creep's just an inevitability of magic. They want to make money in that and printing cards that are powerful it's it's for our benefit and their benefit and then i don't think that power creep is related to whether or not a format is good it's not about how powerful the format is it's about how balanced the power is within the format recent standard recent standard sucks so much because the power was imbalanced towards threats over answers and imbalanced towards a green card advantage over everything else. Not, it wasn't that the it wasn't that the cards were too powerful. We've had really powerful standards before that have been fun. It was that the power was not balanced and everyone had to play the same decks. So makes yep. sense. Checks out. All right. So the next one. This is a very difficult question. Black Russian asks, in your opinion, what should be the first principle that should lead future card design? On a related note, what's your opinion on fire? Fire. And for those of you who don't know, fire. Is uh, an acronym at what you know that I think Wizards uses. It's the play design acronym that they use when they, when they evaluate cards. And and the fire stands for fun, inviting, replayable, and exciting. Um, so I actually wrote an article on this. Um, I, I would recommend you go read my article. It was it was a while back. I think it was in, I think it was last year. It was on TCGPlayer.com, uh, Magic.TCGPlayer.com. If you search. Uh, articles for my name, uh, you'll find it eventually. But uh, Brian Hawley, who is the head of play design at Wizards of the Coast, had written an article about mistakes that they made in 2019 related to play design. And I wrote a rebuttal article about it, about his article. And one of the things in his article was about um, the FIRE acronym. So I did talk a little bit about that. But the, the thing I want to say is that I think of these four things, they're they're all important, but I think like some of them are kind of nebulous concepts like fun. Fun is not something to design around specifically. It's just a uh, fun is an effect of having designed well around other things. Then it creates fun. You don't just like make a fun card. Um, you make a card that is inviting and replayable or exciting and then people have fun playing it. But anyway, I think replayability is the the biggest things is, is the most important thing. Um, I think people have the most fun when they play games of magic that don't all resemble each other and cards or formats where every game of magic plays out the same way are very quickly not fun. And I think 
like the last standard format where everyone was going goose into Oko and once upon a time in the London Mulligan was making it happen in such a high percentage of games. That lack of replayability was a huge part of why it wasn't fun. Uh, and I think that, you know, a lot of the same stuff is in modern with um, some of the some like the Urza Arkham's Astrolabe style decks where they promote like very similar gameplay of magic every game. Uh, can can also not be very fun sometimes too. Um, although there's also a variety of these Urza decks, which that can be fun because there's different versions of. Yeah, them, I so. mean, I played regionals last weekend, and it is it is nothing like a modern that you guys have played in a while or that I've ever played. It it is really replayable and it's awesome. But yeah, actually, know, mo- that, modern totally is actually agree. like well, Legacy was my favorite format, but I just ha- it's I'm so far divorced from Legacy that I, it's hard for me to say that anymore. But I yeah. do. I really love modern. I think it's a great format. And I've always loved modern, even when every pro hated it, except for me. Uh, yeah, you I, always I, did. I always loved modern, and that's a huge part of the reason why that modern appeals to me. I don't care that sometimes I die in turn two to Blood Moon. If I get to play a diverse subset of games where I get to do really, really cool things like win the game with a Pixis of Pandemonium seven mana ability and all this other wacky stuff I would never do anywhere else, but because. Modern is so many decks and matchups and weird cards interact with each other all the time. It's pretty fun. Agreed. So, so I have, I have a, you know, going back to maybe there's a, a first principle to lead to future card design. I, I have a proposed answer that'll that's very replayable, Brian. Okay, what is it? It's adding RNGs to to every magic card. Okay. I th- I think that might help and be fun and inviting, replayable and exciting. So you're saying for every magic card, I have to roll some dice? Yeah, or, you know, yeah, just some some random number generator. I, I've heard it's a huge success in other games. Oh, people love it? Yeah, people love it. Every other game blows up wildly uh, I think successful. it would, actually, I think it would be, I think it would be very successful in magic too, because like, if let's say every turn I had to roll a dice on, on one of my cards to see what it did, and I had like four of them in play at the same time, and then I offered my opponent, would you like to odd even to see if I win this die roll? And then they say, but for two dice, it's not even odds. And then I have to explain the math to them. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then we just end up deciding to high roll. But, but then I roll the dice. Right, and then Ky- they roll the Kylie dice. M-T-G- but they just Kylie drop M-T-G-S. them. They don't actually roll them. So then I have to question whether it was actually a roll or not. Or whether they're cheating the dice roll against. Do you guys feel <laughs> <Lord>. obligated <laughs> to focus only on formats that matter for you in tournaments? And do you wish you had more incentive to do otherwise? Oh, Kylie, you're speaking to me here. Yes, yes. I feel very obligated to only ever focus on the next coming tournament. Um, I have wanted to look into historic, but if I I no longer feel like I can play that much magic for fun because if I'm playing magic for fun, I'm not helping my career or spending time with my fiance or working on something else that I could be working on. So I honestly feel... That my hob once hobby has turned into so much of a job that if I treat it like a hobby, that I'm doing something wrong. Now that could totally be something I twisted in my own anxiety. No, I feel head. the exact same. I feel 100% the exact same, especially with having a tournament like every weekend here. Anytime I like, even I played a match of modern after regionals here when my next event is Baltimore this weekend for Pioneer, and I just felt like I was doing something dirty. You know, like, I just felt like, oh, I shouldn't play this really fun four-color snow deck. I gotta start testing inverter mirrors or whatever, you know? Like, I, I definitely lost the wanting to play for fun, for sure. Yeah, I I, I, I feel guilty 
Yeah. Even thinking like if I start playing just for fun, I I feel like it's a it's a it's a waste of my time and that I should be doing something either that's going to help my career as a Magic Pro League member yeah. or spending time away from magic. The closest thing I get to playing casual magic now is just playing a little bit of standard every three days to just make sure I do my quests on arena for all that free value. But that's still for value. But that's the only time where I have like a break, right? Oh yeah. I haven't (laughs) even played magic since the last mythic points challenge. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been busy, but yeah. Uh, any, do you have anything to chime in on this, Brian or, um, I'll say one quick piece. So the question is, do you guys feel obligated to focus only on formats that matter for you in tournaments? The answer is yes, I do feel that obligation. But the second question is, do you wish you had more incentive to do otherwise? And my answer is is actually no. Um, I think that uh, we like the incentive to uh, focus on a format that matters, like that's my own choice. Um, I'm creating that incentive because they're providing a tournament system and I'm choosing whether how much I care to invest in that tournament system. Um, and I would actually prefer that they didn't try to make, like if I have a, I do have a desire to play magic for fun and magic uh, more on a more casual level. And I would prefer that the areas that I've identified that I want to play magic for fun didn't comp- become competitive envi- uh, environments because then I would probably enjoy them less if I then became an obligation instead of just <laughs> something I do for fun. You just made me think of something funny. It's like what Corey said about the quest. Brian just logs on and and he's like, play 50 green or red spells. No, I'm going to recycle this one. For, for, For 750 gold, play one game of... What's it called? Historic. For the love of God, just play one game, please. <laughs> Someone play this format. And he just hits exit game. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I just I just finished playing ten hours of historic for fun, and then I get that quest, and I'm like, you know what? I'm off it. Yeah. I'm it's, done. It's, yes, every time they do, every time the B and R announcement does something historic, I'm reminded that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. That didn't work right. out too well. Last but not least, Elliot asks, what is one oh, non-magic tip you would give to an aspiring magic grinder? That's interesting. Brian, I feel like you are full of non-magic tips. Uh, yeah. In fact, I no longer have magic tips, so it's all I got left in the tank. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I just want to say that um, my, my biggest thing is, is don't tie your self-worth to how you do in magic. And I know that's an obvious thing and people say it all the time, but seriously, don't do it. It's it, it's something that people are like, oh, yeah, that's good advice. And then they just ignore the advice and don't follow it. Um, mm. But seriously, do not tie your self-worth in magic to your results because the results are incredibly fickle. And and um, it, it's so easy to get frustrated and go and go down really dark paths that way, where like if you do bad for a while, you start to feel like you are a failure as a person when in fact the two things are completely unrelated and irrelevant. Um, So I I really think that it's important to have the right perspective towards magic because losing is just like losing is the day is the status quo of magic. You play in a tournament, you're going to lose way more tournaments than you win Um, for every tournament that has 50 players in it. 
only and only eight are top eighting. That's forty two players that are losers in that tournament. You know, like to varying degrees. I see it as forty nine losers. Yeah, you can. You yeah, you might see it as forty nine losers or whatever. Like whatever your metric yeah. is, but it's just like more players do more. Like people, you know, top eight is generally the goal for a tournament, but you know, ninety nine percent of 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 these tournaments it don't make the top eight. So I, I just think that people have a really unhealthy way that they approach magic where they focus on results so much to the exclusion of everything else. I think you should use results as a barometer for your progress, but I think you should not use them as a way to measure your own worth as a player or as a person. And you should instead focus on your project, on your process on uh, for playing magic and that can be your process for how you want to improve at the game, but it can also just be your process for how you enjoy playing Magic. And if you're not enjoying Magic the way that you're currently playing it, you need to change your process. So I think that's real. I think that's the most important thing is focusing on your process and not your results. Smart, smart. I think. I think uh, just to add on to that, I think the uh, what I I heard you say something once, and this was like one of my favorite things I've ever heard you say. And it was self-reflective. And you said like, you know, I looked myself in the mirror and I asked myself, if I never win another tournament ever again, would I still enjoy wanting to be a a magic player and continue playing this game? Right. And then after you found the answer to that question, that's when you proceeded. Right. Which the answer was yes. And I really like that because like, you know, I remember when I started at a teenager playing magic and I learned about the pro tour, I, you know, I would sit there and shuffle up a deck on my kitchen table, watching the pro tour envisioning being in the finals, you know, same. Yeah. Same. Same. And, and then as the, you know, competitive magic's a kick in the nuts. It really is. Yeah. Like it, 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 it has given me some of my lowest lows in life. If you spend two weeks testing for a tournament overseas your significant other is on the other side of the country or world and and you're in a house with a bunch of people which is fun for a while but there's a lot of annoying things about it as well and you go to that tournament that you tested for two weeks and you go one in five and everyone keeps playing and you just go back to your hotel room and get mcdonald's and you just go what the fuck am i doing with my life <laughs> yeah i think oh, yeah. we've all had one of those moments oh we everyone yeah, has yeah and i wouldn't and say everyone has but, ev- but no not like paulo hasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah no i mean like, like every e- that that's that's speaking to a very high level of competitive okay, player yeah, who, yeah. yeah. Pa- yes paulo goes back to his hotel room like after pro tour richmond where he took second and he's like what the fuck am i doing with my life god how yeah. did i take <laughs> how did i lose how did I lose the finals? This sucks. How did I, I lose one match one. of Magic? I'm so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was now, up to one, and I lost on the play with a multi-five. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very, very important to be able to not, you know, destroy yourself after a bad result. When you put a lot of effort into it, that's when I find it the hardest. It's like when I really try, I put everything into it. I woke up at 9 a.m. to be at the first draft. Uh, at the testing house, then, you know, I tested all weekend and I felt really good. And then I just do bad, which happens, you know, there's variance in the game. Um, and th- those, th- those are the stings that hurt the worst for sure. I, yeah. I also, I, as a corollary to this as well, I've written a ton of articles on all these topics, by the way, if people want to go back and read any of you them, you should really go look through. If you want to, if you want non magic tips about magic, <laughs> you really, sh- Brian is an encyclopedia in his, is in his content on, on TCG player. And I, 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 I advise you, 
if you are looking for this kind of content, you should be looking through his 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 old articles. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. The, the other point is just you should chill. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go back to the shill comment. I I couldn't resist that one. Sorry it's not to even the right baby. shill. I I I know. I, I think I'm it was disappointed more, in myself. I think it was more shrill than it was shill. <laughs> I I'm more disappointed in myself than I am proud. So sorry, BBD. Continue. It's okay. Um, the point I was going to make is also, uh, Magic is a is a very negative game. I found um people are very negative about how well they're doing in events. And it's very easy to be negative about magic when you do poorly at most of the tournaments that you play in, which is true for every player. um, Because our bar, our bar we set for what success is, is incredibly high. Um, It begins to kind of drain on you that negativity of like, I'm always doing bad and only rarely am I doing good. And then doing good feels more like a relief than a reward. Um, So, my my viewpoint here is that you should actively focus on things that you do enjoy in magic and make those things a priority and then look at things that you don't enjoy and make those less of a priority and it, the example that I give is I do not enjoy sweating over the standings and um thinking about like oh I need to win two of my next three rounds to get this spot and then maybe if I do that I could draw into top 8 but only if this player beats this player I don't like that aspect of it. I think it adds a lot of stress to a tournament. Um, yeah. It's not fun at all to me. And so I made a like resolution to myself to just stop doing that. And and then and I've and I fail at it sometimes. But um, the times that I don't fail at it, I I have a much more enjoyable time at a tournament because I'm just there playing magic and having fun and doing the best I can and not focusing so much on that kind of stuff that I don't enjoy. And I I think that it's important to think of things that you do enjoy, prioritize those, take the things you don't enjoy, make them less of a priority. And I've, another thing too, is like, I, I find that I enjoy certain deck types more than others. And I've been playing those decks more often in tournaments. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been doing. Too. That's me that's, choosing that's to prioritize about. things that I do enjoy. So, so BBD, I have one follow up question for that. You said that you were really trying to just do the best you can, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you team with Shaheen Sarani at the last, uh, <laughs> last SCG then? Oh, it just doesn't seem like that correlates. Because you're supposed to do things that you in. Oh yeah, wow! I really messed up. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so thank you, Brian, for being on the show this week. But that is the last question we have. Um, all that's left for the rest of this episode. It's been a long one. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to all of it. Um, but we need to go through our cast and crew. Is it time for, for my favorite part? This is my favorite Yay! part too. So. Um, we have a Patreon set up at patreon.com slash bash bros podcast. If you want to support the show, uh, great, go do that. Um, that would be awesome. Um, these, this list of people that we're about to list off is, is actually just our, our cast and crew. Now to be part of that is to jump into one of the higher tiers on our Patreon, but they are now part of the show. They help us day in and day out. If you go onto our discord, you'll see that without them, we won't have things like pictures of Brian. <laughs> they just they won't exist that's true yeah that's true. i've never been photographed before until i joined this podcast as a special yes. guest on this episode <laughs> so without further ado brian our special guest will you kick off uh the first casting crew all right so let's jump into our cast and crew one of our members ej wren Corey's down player sometimes Corey gets a little shrill 
uh, in his shilling and needs somebody to keep him toned down. That's where we bring uh, in EJ. Fuck you, Ren. BBD. Fuck you, man. Oh, sorry. Hey, EJ, can we get a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, next up on the list is Alex Arnaldi. He is our data analyst. That's right. Now, you might wonder what kind of data needs analing. Uh, analyzing. Analyzing. <laughs> but we've got lots of data on anal- to analyze. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It, 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 some have described it as kind of an ass job, but someone's got to do it, and we pay Alex incredibly well. Actually, he pays us, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he really needs to, to, to run those numbers again. Yeah, his data <laughs> anal- analysts... And the anal- analysis know. is doing really bad. I can't even <laughs> say the word. All I don't right. know, guys. I think we pay him out the analyst. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next member is uh, is our uh, BBD's wall staring photographer. Now, uh, first name Paul, last name notorious in that we have tried to pronounce this name correctly. Uh, for a very long time, and we have so, failed we every failed. single time yeah. at it. Yeah, and, and and Paul is in the Discord and telling us that we're wrong. So now I actually think that we've got it. I think I cracked the code. Yeah. Oh, I think the, we're cracking the, the code, all right. I do. Yeah, I think we cracked the code. I think that uh, now Brian's going to try it because I think he's better at this. But I, yeah. I am pretty sure that that his name is a sound because there's yeah. a CZ in the middle of it. Oh, mm. there's a CZ. Yeah. Yeah, there's a okay. season in the middle, and I think it's... <laughs> all right, so I, I I think... All right, let me give it a shot. So his name is Paul Kastorovsky. You did it! That has <laughs> to be it! it. Yeah. That's it! <laughs> That's got to be it. <laughs> wow. A CZ in the middle. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> <sighs> Refreshing. <laughs> all right, next up we got... That was good work. Next up we got Thomas Leobel. Um he and Paul work really well together. He's uh, BBD's wall staring stager <laughs> and lighter. Yes, I refer to myself in the third person. And no, I will not be invited back on the cast. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thomas, Thomas provides an important role of getting everything staged, making sure the lighting is correct on these wall shots. Uh, very important job. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up on our list is uh, is Daniel Russell, which is my international document consultant. No longer will I miss international tournaments due to international documents. They will all be consulted. Now mm. you will be, be be missing events due to the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, bad news, Brad. Um, Daniel's not actually procuring international documents for you. He's just consulting on them. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. still oh, have to no, do no, the work. You still don't have a passport. So wait, well, how am I going to go to Italy? Oh, you're Daniel, not. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's job is just to look at you and be like, no, nah, dude, you did that wrong. Turn around. <laughs> and he he's had to say that to you a few times. So our next uh, member is uh, Spoon Tongue, and this is a very important job. It is BBD's hairstylist. Have you ever seen BBD's hair when it's unmanaged? It's literally unmanageable. <laughs> see, 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 everyone thinks this is a joke. Yes, this is no, this isn't a joke. Brian does, in fact, have one hair <laughs> on his head. <laughs> and Spoon Tongue styles that hair. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get vulgar here, Brad. That's for the pre-show. Yeah. Yeah, keep that off uh, air, please. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, what did you say, Brian? Because David Watt is our special guest screener, and David might be uh, kicking you out of here if uh, you uh, act up too much. Oh, David will home. never kick me off the show. I pay him way too much under the scenes for that. I was wondering why you keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a shady deal going on here. 
Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. And then we got Victor Beauchamp, and he is our executive producer. He really, you know what? Me and me, BBD and Brad, really, whenever we're just in our dressing rooms before the podcast, like really yes, trying to our get dressing room. Trying to get fired up, you know. Victor comes in, he drops Jaeger bombs on us, he gets us some GTL, some gin tan laundries, you know, really bros down with us. Yeah. I don't know what any of that was, but let's go to the next person. Uh, I just gotta okay. I gotta say that in honor of his name, he he should maybe be the executive bow deucer. But anyway, continue. Mm, touche. All right, all right. Then we have Symbol, which is our executive waste management operator. BBD has got a lot of waste coming out of a lot of places. Someone and, has to manage it. Little does Symbol know that uh, we we got a new member of the cast crew that he might they might be working intimately with. Yeah. Him. Oh yeah. I'm actually oh, confused yeah. though. Did you are you sure you pronounced that name correctly? I am going to murder you in your sleep, baby. Uh, <laughs> All right, next up, we got we got uh, a, a long, a long uh, employee and patron of the podcast is Rabbit Chicken, who is our VP of Video Operations. Yep. A long time, long, 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 long time ago, uh, Corey. Uh, Corey once said that we were uh, people who watched us, and instead of correcting him. We just started filming. Yeah. I don't know if I was the first, but we'll go along with it for now. <laughs> All right. Our next member of the casting crew is Jer Majeldi. Yep. And Jer is the assistant only to, and and nobody else. You to stop the butchering. Stop Reserve. butchering this. It is an office joke and that is sacred to me. He is there, the assistant to the assistant regional manager. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I like watching funny shows on my free time, not the office. So sorry. Uh, did you? That. Oh, bro, bro. Put, please take that back. Ooh. That is worse than taking a political stance. That will cut our audience in half. All right. We need, we need <laughs> oh, Victor okay. Beauchamp to get in here. There's some yeah, producing that you, needs if to. You, if, you, if you take an attack on the office, we will lose an audience. <laughs> also, that's just like. I can't believe that. Anyway, anyway. All right. Whatever, next man. up, we got Sultan Abbasi, who is our heavy editor. Uh, so we, we have a we have a regular editor who edits edits our podcast, and then we need a heavy editor to do a lot of the extra editing because it's more than a one man job. And I, I I have a feeling that this is going to be an episode that needs some heavy editing. So oh, especially yeah. that oh. pre-show. Yeah, especially Sultan's going to have... Jonathan oh. is not going to like to see the length of this Yes, one. Sultan's going to have their hands full on this one for sure. Mm. All right, so uh, next up we got Pierre Vendelbeau, who is our team sports psychologist. I forgot that we got a team <laughs> sports psychologist. <laughs> Did anyone check his credentials? Who's our man? man. Did we, uh, come on, like like someone had to have. Well, like, I would hope the next person on our casting crew would have vetted this person a little bit. And that's Time Ghoul. That's our manager. And uh, clearly with some of the people that are on our... Uh, uh, on our cast and crew, the management has not been great. But on the other hand, uh, he does pay us under the table tax-free, so that's why we keep him on. Uh, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. All right, next <laughs> up, next up, we have Eric Nall, and uh, Eric is is the dumpster. And um, I, I want to personally say that I'm behind Eric in everything that he does. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I just want to say that Eric chose this job. And if Eric is down with being the dumpster, I'll condone it. 
What yeah. are these down I mean, with the honestly, sickness? I think uh, I think Eric must have just watched like too much. It's always sunny, where you know Danny DeVito was trying to just be the trash man and just maybe wanted to be that character and just have no idea what you just said. Oh, never mind. He's talking about, about oh, oh, always sunny. I thought we only cared about shows that were funny, Corey. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Which is why Always Sunny is at the top. I hate both of you. Which is why Always Sunny is at the top of my list because I think it's the best comedy they've ever made. Oh, boom! That's good. That's good to hear. Yep. (laughs) That's very good to hear. My my blood pressure is coming down. Let me check. All right. Stable. I'm stable now. All right. Well, Brad, if you need to calm down, just watch The Office. It's so boring. So, Dude. Just don't, just don't. Like, like you're gonna, you're gonna get people on Twitter hating on you. Oh, oh. like people are gonna call you out for this. What? It'll just be water. It, you know, it's, it's possible that he'll get some back some background support for his stance here. Well, we'll see. We'll see how this turns. It'll probably start a fight, and some random person will get canceled because that's how social media. Works. You know, I feel required to throw my hat in the ring. I think The Office is entertaining, but I don't choose to watch episodes willingly. Oh, oh, you have to, you have to, you have to enjoy cringe humor. Yeah. yeah, I gave up after four seasons. I couldn't do it anymore. You just, you just have to enjoy cringe humor. That's the only way to really enjoy the show. I yeah. mean, that's why everybody loves the Bash Bros podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as as noted by us in this podcast, we're all we definitely create cringe. I don't know if we enjoy it, but <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this very long episode. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, and yeah, our, uh, our time at wizards has expired. So we will have a little bit more of our free time, uh, and we won't have any delays or cancellations last week. We were just exhausted. Oh, and it won't be midnight when we get done with the cast. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're done. We're done with that core. You don't have to record until midnight anymore. Hallelujah. We can go back to a yeah. Yeah. Like 11, right. 11 or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but anyway, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back again, and uh, yeah, I, don't forget don't, you can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify. And Stitcher, and if you have extra money, you can give it to us on Patreon.com. Boom, nailed you, suckers. Suck a butt. <laughs> Suck a butt. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>